Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Black woman. Beautiful. Powerful. Resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation. A talk, especially an informal one, between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So... We created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Jamie. How's your week been? So I am... Finally back in the swing of things. So I've been off since the 23rd of December. So I had Christmas and New Year's off. So I know you guys usually hear us on Thursdays, but we usually record at the very beginning of the week. So this is my first day back to work. And I knew that there was going to be chaos because I'm on the team's chat. So I've been seeing like such such out with COVID. Oh, we're gonna close this office altogether because of COVID. Oh, this hospital labor and delivery is closed down now because every single nurse has COVID. So I had been dreading going back to work because I knew that I was gonna be short staffed. But I got there and all of my Katie office staff was still there. My front office person, my sonographer, my medical assistant and me, we were all back very healthy. Now, I cannot say the same about the hospital staff because the hospitals are still really, really short. And uh, our you know, census is lit up like a Christmas tree. So we have people with severe COVID and mild COVID and asymptomatic. And they're coded as like red for bad, blue for, they're not that bad, but they got COVID and then white if you don't have COVID. So it's like a Christmas tree uh, on the board. There's so many people with COVID. It's ridiculous y'all and it makes you really paranoid right so the cdc confused the heck out of everybody talking about some oh if you test positive but you don't have any symptoms you don't have to quarantine for five days so now they've been throwing nurses back to work since they said that last week saying oh well you can just work but just put a mask on and you can take off for five days but people are coming back with symptoms like that is not what they meant i'm like i know that the cdc guidelines are confusing if you listen to them real quick but they're really not, okay? So it says if you're asymptomatic, you only have to quarantine for five days. I know that's confusing because it's like, why would you even get tested if you were asymptomatic? Good question, people that think that because realistically, you're not supposed to get tested if you're asymptomatic, right? You're supposed to just sort of quarantine, monitor your symptoms for three or five days and then go on about your business if you're not symptomatic. So realistically, you shouldn't be getting tested if you're asymptomatic. So the CDC put their foot in their mouths because they confused everybody because everybody's like, am I supposed to go get tested every time I get an exposure? The answer is no, you're not supposed to get tested every time you get an exposure. 
Not unless you have symptoms. Why? Because we can't find no tests. We cannot find them. So the CDC screw people over. So now people think, oh, now that my symptoms are mild, I only have to quarantine for five days. No, y'all. You got symptoms. You still got to quarantine for 10 days. You don't have any symptoms and you incidentally got tested because your job made you get tested or you know, you you happened to get one of those home tests because you didn't want to expose everybody to COVID. So you just tested yourself before you went to grandma's house and you came back positive. Those are the people who only have to quarantine for five days. Meaning you're walking around here and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe my test is positive because I have nothing. Those are the people that only have to quarantine for five days. But I understand the CDC confused a whole bunch of people. So I'm dealing with the aftermath of that. A whole bunch of patients asking me about CDC guidelines today. Hmm. How has your week been, Janine? That's really the more important question. <laughs> well, I know that you know because my husband called you frantically, but I am just, I would just like to say how grateful I am for all of you all. And by you all, I mean medical professionals that put their life on the line every single day for crazy people like myself because, no, I did not have COVID before you all ask. I was not. Thank God I did not have COVID. I was tested numerous times because the medical professionals did not even believe that I didn't have COVID, but I was very sick and come to find out I had pneumonia and an upper respiratory infection and bronchitis and it almost took me out of here. But much like every other time that I get sick, my husband called you, Nicole, and you told him what to do and he took your advice and took me to the hospital. And I must say, there are a couple of things that I have learned. One, medical professionals are extremely, extremely patient. Two, when people say that hospitals are overrun, I would like you all to know that they really are overrun, at least here in Maryland. I'll say this. I went into the hospital and when I walked in, they were 120 beds short. And when I mean 120 beds short, it means that there are 120 people at the hospital that needed a bed that they did not have space for. So it literally was one bed clean, one new patient come in. So what they were doing was treating us in the ER, putting our IV in, giving us our little, you know, IV bag, taking our vitals, all of that, testing us and sending us back out into the waiting room so that we could at least have a place to sit. And when that got full, people just started laying on the floor. So it's real that these hospitals are overrun. So please, let's not try to contract COVID so that it makes it worse, so that people really can get treated when they need to get treated. So no, I didn't have COVID, thankfully. And thankfully, my husband listened to you, Nicole. And I was treated and I'm on the mend. So, but I will say this. Nicole did warn me that I should not get boosted while I was sick and I did not take her advice and I suffered the consequences. Not only did I get boosted, but I also got the flu shot. And when I tell you it almost took me to be with Jesus, I am being so honest. I really cannot recall feeling that bad a moment in my life. And I've had numerous surgeries. I don't ever recall feeling that bad in my entire 38 years of life. Not once. Well, I will say this. Um, I really wanted to fly down and beat you. I really did. Because I felt like 
out of all the times where you were like, I'm not getting a flu shot or I'm gonna get it this year just because you told me to get it this year. And I'm like, okay, Johnny, let your immune system bounce back from the stuff you have before you go testing your immune system. Like your immune system's already down. And then you're gonna like put, you know, <laughs> viral particles from the flu shot as well as spike protein in your body to say, hey, let's see what you can handle. Hey, I mean, really? Like, and not, you did not, it, it wasn't even like, oh, I have like a mild cough. Like, no chick, you had pneumonia. Like <laughs> you were really sick. Your immune system was compromised. It's almost like, you know, people that have autoimmune diseases. It's not that, you know, the reason that we want people to get vaccinated to have autoimmune diseases is because we know their immune system is already troubled, but we don't want you to get vaccinated while you're in an acute flare, right? That's what you did to your yeah. body. You literally vaccinated yourself while your body was technically in an acute flare because you were trying to heal from from pneumonia already. I mean, it's just like, what? You know, and I thought I explained that. I know I explained that to you. I know I did. I know that I know I did. And I know. Your husband is probably is the most patient man on the planet. He gets the most <laughs> patient man on the planet award because He's just stayed so calm during the whole time. He encouraged you. He made sure you got to the hospital despite you arguing with him. Uh, I don't know. I feel like if I would have told my husband the same thing, he would have been like, okay. And I would have laid in that bed. A man may not have died. I don't know. I may, I would have had, you needed oxygen to breathe. Okay. You need oxygen. Yeah. If I told my husband, cause my husband just, he doesn't, He's not going to assert himself. He's not going to be like, no, we need to do this. He's going to be like, okay, well, if you think that's what you need. <laughs> and it may be because I'm in the health field. You know, I'm a healthcare professional. So he might be like, okay, well, I trust your own judgment. You know, when you need to go to the hospital. And if I'd have told him like, no, I don't need to go to the hospital. He'd been like, okay, I'll check on you later. And I would have died. Okay. Your husband deserves all the accolades in the world. He is very, very patient. If I would have personally been there, I probably would have fought you first and then taken you to the hospital. <laughs> but he did not do that. He was patient and he took you. So, ladies, if you're listening to this story, don't let's stop being stop being difficult with your husbands. <laughs> stop. Don't do that. And if you're not married, your spouse, whoever you're with, your mate, whoever's putting up with you at night, whoever you're in the entanglement with, whoever you're with, don't be don't don't be difficult when they're trying to look out for your health. Don't do that. Yeah. No. Ken gets the award. He really does. Mm. He was so, so patient. And let me tell you, he sat at the hospital, even though he couldn't come in, he sat at the hospital in the car in the pouring rain waiting for me because he would not leave me at the hospital by myself. And they would not let him in because one, there was no space, honestly. And two, there were 20 people. The charge nurse told us that there were 20 people, you know, in the, the waiting room that had tested positive for COVID. So they didn't want to expose people who did not have COVID and had no need to be in, in the you know ER waiting room to COVID. So he does deserve an award. And he stayed there with me until the wee hours of the morning. And yeah, but I should have listened. I should not have listened to the people at the pharmacy where I got the two vaccines while I was sick. But next time, Nicole, I will listen to every word that you say and follow your directions to a T because it seems that every time that I don't listen, I end up somewhere in somebody's hospital. So... There's that. Well, big ups to Ken. Now, I will say, because it sounds like you. I just downed my husband. I didn't down my husband. He would have sat and waited on me. He would have. 
But I know Absolutely. for a fact if I would have told him to leave me alone, he would have left me alone and I would have been in the bed like dying. But either way, I think I think that Ken was more fearful of how he would have explained to people how I just laid in the bed and passed away. But he let me tell you something, Nicole. When you told him, I don't remember what number you told him. He said, Nicole said, once it gets here, you have to go. And I was so delirious at this point. And he was very consistent with, this is what Nicole said. And your pulse ox is not reading what it needs to read. Like, I'm going to call the ambulance. And of course, me being the person that I am, I'm like, I can refuse treatment. Like, I was being all kinds of belligerent. In my defense, I was a little delirious. But I will say, Ken is super patient. Like, I'm always the chaos. Ken is the patience. And that's why it works out. It's like yin yang. Just he's, how it works. And I'm appreciative. The, the calm. The calm. Because, I mean, the numbers kept going down and down and down because I was like, OK, once she drops it like below 93, like it's time. Yeah, it's time to go. Then it was like 92. Then it was like 89. I was like, OK, what are we <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah, here? she needs oxygen. You see how quickly that went? Because I mean, know, it was a matter of what, a couple hours. Yeah. And people do this at home, right? Because people with COVID, they look better than their numbers are like they're sat in like 85 percent they're like i don't think i need any oxygen like no <laughs> you need oxygen like you're about to like all of a sudden have respiratory depression and need to be intubated if we don't get some oxygen on you so it's it, it can you can crash in, in a very short amount of time so that's why when people test positive for covid if they're symptomatic i'm like uh you need to make sure you have a pulse ox at home and you need mm -hmm. to check your pulse ox. And if you get low, you need to go in. And it doesn't need to be extremely low. Like low 90s, you need to go to the hospital. Like you should always be sitting above 90, 94. You should always be sitting above 94%. And if you drop below 94, mm, you're 92, 93. Yeah, you need some oxygen. Yeah, oxygen. I think when I got there, it was like 86. It was 86, pressure. I remember. <laughs> and my blood pressure was like 98 over like 50. By the time I had gotten to the hospital, it was bad. And again, I didn't even have COVID. So I can't imagine what it's like for the people who actually have COVID. I can't imagine. But please get vaccinated. Please, everyone, get vaccinated. Not while you're symptomatic, but get vaccinated. So, Janine, speaking of husbands and how good they are, what's on your timeline this week? Okay, so we're going to talk about marriage real quick, but not really the way that we probably anticipated. So we all know that one of the main causes for divorce, specifically in the United States, are financial issues. So sometimes those problems aren't necessarily the lack of finances, but rather a couple's ability to agree upon how the household finances should be handled. So. Some of the things that people don't agree on are how are bills being paid? Are we having individual accounts? Are we having joint accounts? Or are we having both? Are bills being paid when we receive them? Or are we paying them when they're due? Are they being paid partially? Or are the bills going to be paid in full? How are the bills being paid out of our checking account? Or are we paying them on credit cards? What do our financial goals even look like? So, all of those things are things that factors into a relationship. And a lot of couples often fail to have these discussions before they actually get married. But some couples, even though they have the discussions before they get married, when their bills and responsibilities come at them hard and fast, things change. But not everyone has problems with finances in their marriage. And recently, 
I've come across two couples that both went viral on our timelines that seem to have mastered the finances for their relationship. And I say for their relationship because each relationship is different. Here's the first one. The first couple, Lolo and Zakia. Now, Zakia, I think, is her real name. Lolo, I'm pretty sure, is not his real name, but that's his Instagram handle and TikTok handle. So they're actually from Huntsville, Alabama, and they're engaged. They're not actually married yet. So their story is kind of interesting because they live together and they're continuing to practice abstinence because they don't believe in premarital premarital sex. But they actually live together because they're really big on finances and fiscal responsibility. And obviously, it's a lot cheaper if you don't have two sets of household bills, just having one. So they've taken a vow of celibacy while they continue to live together and build what they're they're trying to build. They are engaged, I will say that. So the reason why they went viral is because Zakia revealed on TikTok how they handle their bills. So what she said is that they both contribute to the bills, but her man pays the bills because she believes that men should pay the bills. As do I, but sounds pretty normal, right? Until you get a little bit deeper into the story. So what she revealed next was that, well, let me take a pause for a second. The beginning of it, I was with it, right? The next part is kind of what had me a little shocked and had the internet up in arms. She revealed that her checks are directly deposited into his account with just his name on it. She doesn't say that, but she says it's his account. And once they're deposited in his account, he takes care of all the bills, does all of the investing for the couple, whatever they need to do with the money. And then he returns her a $100 a week allowance. She did say that if she needs more money, she can get more money, but pretty much she gets $100 a week allowance. And her check continues to get deposited into his account. And that is what works for their relationship. And she plans on continuing that, I guess, when they get married. So they've come up with this plan that's working for them even before they're getting married. So the second couple that I came across in our timeline is a little bit different. And this particular story almost brought me to tears. So the second story is about a family called the Henrys. And the Henrys, they look like a very picturesque couple. The mom, Jayla, the dad, Anthony. And then they have two little ones, a boy and a girl. So they have like the perfect cute little family, right? Well, this past Christmas, like just a few weeks ago, they went viral. And here's why. So Jayla, when they got married, she had the desire to be a stay-at-home mom. So when she got pregnant and had her children, her husband, being the supportive husband that he is, decided to allow her to stay home and be a stay-at-home a stay-at-home mom. Well, this is also during, you know, she became a stay-at-home mom in 2019. Think about it. Two years of that was a pandemic. During the pandemic, she notes that her husband was working multiple jobs to ensure that she could pursue her dreams of being a stay-at-home mom and raising their kids and also not putting their kids' health at risk, right? So she reveals that they struggled, that she remembers overdrafting her account, and she remembers thinking that she wasn't contributing, but her husband never made her feel bad about her inability to contribute. Well, since she became a stay-at-home mom, she also became a successful 
mom influencer and while her husband still takes care of the bills one of the things that she did was this past christmas jayla surprised her husband and paid off all of his student loans so because he was able to help her achieve her goals she felt like this was something that she wanted to do for him now the couple as as a couple they have a goal of being debt free and that was the final debt that they had so with her money that she was making as an influencer she used that to pay off her husband's debt and if you watch the video which we'll post the video it is the sweetest thing he is he opens up a a gift and the shoes i think say debt free it was kind of like a gag and so he was like huh and then she plays this voicemail and it says that his student loans have been paid off now i'm sure that you now understand why it almost brought me to tears cuz you know you and i always talk about how we would love somebody to pay off our student loans but like how sweet is it that she took the money that she had been saving up to make sure that she can pay off her husband's student loans so these couples have figured out what works for their relationship i think it is extremely important that before couples get into a serious relationship and by serious i don't mean just marriage. I mean a serious relationship where finances are somehow commingled. I think that there are important conversations that need to be had about finances and how they're handled. And like I said, doesn't always necessarily play out the way that you would like it to, but I think it's really important to have those kinds of conversations with your partner before you're finding yourself in a situation that you have to navigate on the fly. And I think that, you know, you have to be mindful that you want to hold your partner down but you don't want your partner to hold you up so you have to be mindful of how the finances are working and also that they're that the way that the finances are being handled works for both people in the couple what do you think nicole i completely agree with that i think that finances are huge issues when it comes to relationships and it and just because you have money doesn't mean that your relationship is going to be better right so if you're in a, a relationship and both of you guys are struggling financially that is going to be a headache in your relationship but even if you have a lot of money you're both making six figures how you manage each other's finances can also be a struggle in the relationship so if you guys you guys need to touch and agree and actually be candid about how you're going to handle the finances it seems like both of this these couples have done that now that first couple okay let's back it up listen I don't believe in somebody getting my whole check that I don't have papers on. And so when I say papers, I'm talking about marriage license. I'm talking about some type of contract in writing. Like hopefully there is some type of contract in writing that says, hey, I am trusting you to manage all of our finances, but you are going to handle and put this much into savings for us, pay the bills with this much, and we are contributing equal amounts. If I'm putting my whole paycheck in your account, you put your whole paycheck in the same account and I have access to the balance. I'm not just blindly giving you my money and I don't see what we're accumulating over time and what's going into savings or not. I am a firm believer in women need to keep up with how much is coming in and how much is going out. And I'm not saying that they have to manage the bills. I mean, he can manage the bills and he can manage both the paychecks. But at the end of the day, if something happens to him, not even that you don't you know, make it as a couple. If he gets in a car wreck tomorrow, do you have access to your account? And do you know what's coming in and what's coming out and what actually needs to be paid? 
you still need to know what's going on because one day you may have to take up the slack and manage while he's in the hospital or if he passes away suddenly. You need to make sure you have access and you know what's going on with your account. I, I understand that it's better. Maybe you're not the best with money. Maybe money burns a, a hole in your pocket, okay? And he knows that. And so he giving you the allowance that you said that you want. I completely get that. But you still need to have access to the account, okay? Because if somebody dies and you don't have access, well, then you're going to have to take a death certificate. You're going to have to, who has the, who's the beneficiary of this account? There's a lot of red tape you have to jump through if you don't have access to those accounts. So I would definitely say, make sure your name's on the account. Make sure you have access. Make sure you know what bills are getting paid and how much you are paying in bills and how much you should be saving. So even though you're not managing it, I still think you should be micromanaging or overseeing the deeds, okay? Because women end up looking real silly when you end up getting divorced or somebody dies or you need access all of a sudden because somebody's hurt. And you say, oh, my husband did all that. Well, you still need access, okay? So that's the bone I have to pick with the first case. And the fact that they are not married and this is happening. Listen, y'all, we give people too much access before we get the papers, okay? If you would do the same with a roommate, so if you and your college roommate moved in together and you say, my college roommate's better with money, so I'm gonna give her my whole check and have her manage it and then give me allowance, I get that. I still think there needs to be a contract written between the two of you. But when it comes to love, you know, eh, okay, that can make things real disgruntled. Now, the thing that they have done that I believe in is they did not have sex. Sex can complicate some things, okay? So you love him, you haven't had sex, that's fantastic. Because when you have sex and emotions and that drive and, you know, that puts a whole different level of complexity to this. So maybe it's good that you guys are celibate and you're doing this almost as if you have strong feelings for another, one another, but you're almost like roommates uh, at this point. So, um, so I think that that's a good thing because I think that a sexual relationship would very much so complicate that situation. Now with the second couple, I love that, right? They have a union together. They have a family together and He's holding it down anyway. Sounds like she doesn't have any debt. So, of course, it would make sense for her to get rid of his debt to elevate your entire family situation. So, um, I definitely think that that's awesome. I think, I don't know how long she's been an influencer, but I, listen, Janine, we need some dough coming in, okay? Because <laughs> if she, and I don't know how many student loans, how much she had in student loans, but I'm sitting here thinking about my student loans and I'm like, maybe my husband needs to become a, uh, uh, you know, a pastoral influencer, influencer on online so he can help pay down these student loans I have. I'm just, I'm just saying because I have so many student loans and I think that that's amazing to be able to do. Anytime somebody can bless somebody and pay something off for them, I mean, that is such a blessing. And if you're in a relationship and you're paying something off for your significant other, that is a win-win for both of you guys if you're going to be together. That's, uh, you know, your income to debt ratio has improved now. Now you can qualify for a better loan for a home or you can buy the car you wanted. I mean, that you can put your kids mm -hmm. in school. You can buy your kids more stuff. I mean, so that is uh, amazing. And it's, it's awesome that she is thinking from that financial freedom mindset to be able to do that. So I think it's great because she has papers on them. Now, if this was the same situation in the first, in the first, uh, with the first couple, 
that were celibate and they were living together and homegirl's been paying her checks to this man and then he paid off our all she paid off all his student loans we would have been like is she crazy do you have any papers on this man he can break up with her tomorrow he got all his student loans paid off what is she thinking but the second situation she has papers on him just saying i agree with most of what you said and the part that i don't agree with is i'm not depositing my entire check into anybody's account except for my own let me tell you like dorothy may grice told me when i was little you always keep a nest egg don't put all your eggs in one basket you always keep a nest egg because you don't know what could happen you really don't know what could happen people can have the best intentions and at the end of the day somehow you get in a bad situation let me give you an example your husband fiance whatever could have a kid that you don't know about because just because you all are being celibate does not mean that he has always been celibate. A kid that you don't know about, God forbid he get put on child support. Not saying that he's hiding anything, but you know, women are sneaky and women can say, oh, I had this kid and now this your kid and you owe me this much child support, right? When the people come for the child support, you know what they do? They garnish your wages. They freeze your accounts. If something happens, that is unexpected and the account gets frozen and his name is the only one on the account. Now all of your assets are now frozen. So now what are you going to do? But now what she could do in that situation is she could just stop the direct deposit. So if she's directly depositing her check, she stops the direct deposit because they're not garnishing her wages. They're garnishing his wages. So she just stops her account, her direct deposits, or she just puts her, her money in another account. She could very well do that. That's not his income and they're not married. So she could do that. But I get your point. If they had a savings and those wages were garnered, then she has no access to it. Absolutely. Which is why I think that if this is a joint account, though, then that would not be able to happen. So. Right. But she said that her check gets deposited into his account. She didn't say into our account. She specifically said her check gets deposited into his account. Yeah, I don't believe in that. That but, I have a problem with. But but again, she needs access to those accounts. Because realistically, Absolutely. if she has access to the accounts and he don't have some random baby mama somewhere, then it's then it's okay. But if you find out he has a random baby mama, then, you know. Or a student loan or get sued or any of those things. You don't know what, it doesn't have to be malicious. It could be, but there are things that garnish your wages or freeze your accounts. I mean, God forbid, my account has been frozen before just because of a bank error. So now if my if if the account that we have or his account gets frozen, then where's my money? I have nothing but the hundred dollars that you gave me for allowance. That sounds crazy as all get out. Now, come on now. <laughs> you know your mama done taught you better than that. Well, she'll have to go call her mama then to help her out temporarily to his account get unfrozen. Just saying. Exactly. Now I I'm not condoning the having your entire check deposited into his account. I am, look, if that is what works for your relationship and you all share an account, that's fine. But I'm going to tell you, like my grandmama taught me, always have a nest egg just in case. Rainy day fund. Don't go back to Fresno fund. Remember, girlfriends? Don't go back to Fresno fund. Don't get yourself caught out there. That's real. All right, Jenny. So, of course, we're talking about these, you know, paying these men and how they manage money. So let's talk about some letters from our listeners. Why don't we? Let's talk through some sit, some, not through some. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk through some scenarios. 
Let's do it. All right. So our first letter reads, Nicole and Janine, I think my best friend is being used. She and her husband have been married now for two years. She's an orthopedic surgeon and he's a realtor. Last year, she funded him starting his own brokerage firm. He's done pretty well with his sales, but for his birthday, she's talking about buying him a new building. Currently, he's renting a space. I think this is going a bit too far. She says her relationship is going well, but I think this is too early in their marriage for her to make these types of purchases. He's treating her more like a sugar mama than a wife. Ladies, do you agree? Would you fund a building for your husbands? Now, two years in, absolutely not. I would not have funded, uh, I wouldn't have co-signed a car. I wouldn't have done any of that two years in. And the reason why I say that is because once you're two years in, you're just kind of trying to get the feel for real. Like, let's be honest. You don't really know somebody's weird idiosyncrasies by two years. It's a lot that you learn in the first two years. I think you need to get to year three, maybe four, maybe five if you're Janine. I don't know. I like the kind of situations. If I am funding a brokerage firm, I need to be co-CEO of said brokerage firm. If I'm buying a building, I am buying a building for my husband and I's brokerage firm. That is me. Now, if she's an orthopedic surgeon, right? She's an orthopedic surgeon. She might have money to throw away like that. Janine does not. Janine does not like to throw her money away. And even when Janine makes more money, she is a money hoarder. I will be honest about that. I am the kind of person that likes to hold on to my money just in case there is a rainy day. Now, if that rainy day don't come, it's going to be somebody's kids that are rich. Okay. My point is I'm not the kind of person to invest in things that I don't see a clear, concise way of me getting a return on my investment. Now, if she feels comfortable in her marriage and she feels comfortable in her relationship and she feels comfortable putting the money up for this, I say, why not? Because it's, Putting money up for a business, she not co-signing for a car that the moment that he drives it off the lot, it's depreciated. She's not co-signing for some like fly by night thing. This seems to be a pretty legitimate business. Now, do I think that he really needs a building in the middle of a pandemic when we've really pretty much determined that we can do everything virtually? Probably not the best investment. But if this is what she want to do with her own money, Girl, let her do it. I mean, I get your concern because I would be concerned the same way if my best friend told me that she was doing the same thing and she only been married to this man for two years. I probably would be concerned too. But girl, this is her relationship. This is her money. And as long as you don't have to pick up the slack or pay her bills, should this all not work out, girl, mind your business. What you think, Nicole? Yeah, I mean, I think that this couple can do whatever whatever they want with their money. I mean, my thing is as long as you have papers on somebody... This is your husband. This is who you're going to be with. So I honestly, I personally would have no problem funding a business venture for my husband if it made sense. And it seems like he's already started his his real estate company. He's already uh, a real estate broker and he's doing well, but he's renting a space. If, you, uh, if you're going to take the same money you would to rent to buy something, why not buy it? And if I'm going to buy it for him and say, hey, birthday, baby, that means my name is on the deed. Happy birthday, babe. I own this building. So you can act a fool if you want to. But if we get a divorce, who own it for real? Me. 
I own it for real. My name is also on this deed. If I even put his name on there, but my name is got, got to be on there. I'm on the loan, okay? So if you want to act up when we split, we're going to have to do some negotiations, even if I'm not a part of his business with, are you paying me rent for my building? So now you're paying me rent to stay in my building or you can move out and I can rent that space off to another business. And if it's a building that has multiple spaces, that's also a business opportunity for her to also lease other spaces out to other businesses. So I think that this is not only you know, smart, but it definitely puts her in a situation where if he decides to get out, she's still in a situation where he has to negotiate something with her to get out of that uh, that mortgage, okay? Now, on the other hand, she could be stuck with mortgage, right? He could say, hey, you're stuck with a mortgage um, and he could move out of the space. But again, she could always get somebody to rent that space. And I think that even in a pandemic, it's still nice if you're doing real estate for somebody to have space to come in and do closings and things like that. So um, so I do think it's smart to have somewhere to, especially if you're a broker. I mean, you're, that means you have other realtors under you. They need office space to work. Um, you're training them. Uh, so you need training space. So I do think that that is a smart investment. And, and eventually we won't be in the pandemic. And although the housing market is booming and it's really expensive to buy a house, commercial real estate is much cheaper right now because everybody's working from home. So this may be a really good time for her to get commercial space um, at a at a cheaper price. That's that's my thought. But again, everybody is is different. We don't know how long this couple was together before they got married. We don't know. They could have been together for 10 years and only been married for two. I, I don't know, okay? But she has to do what makes her sleep at night. And if this man is treating her well and she feels warm and tingly, she's like, I got my own coins anyway. I can go over here. If this doesn't work out, I can sell the building and move on. Hey, she's a smart woman. She's a surgeon. I'm sure she's thought through this. And I would say, mind your business. Now, if your friend is about to go bankrupt and she's about to take out a second mortgage on the house to do this, now that's different, okay? You, she has to be stable to do this. But if she's stable and she, her bills are getting paid and she's not being abused and, you know, he's treating her like a queen, then, you know what I mean? Let her, let her spoil her man if she can do that. I agree. I agree. I didn't think of, I didn't think of it as... Oh, well, we can just buy the place. And as, if you're spending the same kind of money on rent, it makes more sense. So I agree. Good job, Nicole. <laughs> so what's your scenario, uh, Johnny? Apparently, we got a bunch of nosy friends this week. So this one says, Nicole and Janine, I just need some simple advice. My husband and I have been t- been married for 12 years, and we have always split our household bills 50-50. Recently, my husband lost his job due to the pandemic, And while he is looking for a new job, I have been covering the bills, which I don't mind because he would do the same for me. We are not going hungry. And thank God we have not been late on any bills. Recently, I made mention of our situation to my best friend because I had to decline an impromptu girls trip. She told me I was crazy. I thought she was referring to me missing the trip, but she was really referring to the fact that my husband and I split our bills 50-50. She said that a man is supposed to handle the bills. I kind of agree, but what happened to a partnership? Ladies, am I crazy for splitting the bills with my husband? Am I missing something? Please help. And it says, signed a confused listener from Tipito. 
Thibodeau, Louisiana, Thibodeau. I know where Thibodeau is at. I know Thibodeau is at. That's, that's, that used to be, let me tell you, that used to be stomping ground. So going to Xavier, uh, my friend, uh, my friend named Ashley, uh, my friend Sonia, Johnny, you know, we roll down there to Thibodeau, the basketball team. We used to hang out with them. We know all about Thibodeau. Okay, so let's say this. One, sometimes you can't tell your friends everything. I will say this, but I got to think about this logically. If y'all are making the same exact amount of money, let's say both of you guys are engineers and you're making the same exact money, okay? And I say that because I know that's like oil company, oil companies and stuff like that out there, okay? And you're splitting everything 50-50. So let's say every two weeks, you're making $5,000 and he's making $5,000. So you make $10,000 a month, okay? So he's putting $2,500 in the joint account. You're putting $2,500. He's putting $2,500 in savings. You're putting $2,500 in your savings, okay? He loses his job. Now you can't put $2,500 in your own savings, okay? You're putting the whole $5,000 in the joint. So now your savings has stopped and his savings has stopped. So essentially y'all have the same amount of savings at the same time. So you're working and he's not working, but he's trying. So for me, that's sort of kind of even, okay? Now, some would say, well, if he has savings, I want him to contribute 50-50 until he depletes all of his savings. Well, that's not really fair because if the shoe were on the other foot and he was stepping up and paying all the bills, do you want to deplete all of your savings? to make the house afloat? Or do you wanna have both of your savings be stagnant and stay put while you're contributing the majority to the account? And so for me and mine, I would want my husband's savings to stay where it is because there's still stuff that he may need to do, right? You have anniversaries, you have birthday parties for the kids, you have birthday celebration for you. You still want him to be able to be a man and you know, take you to dinner when he needs to and pull that out of his savings or buy a, a birthday gift for you or his mama without it having to come out of the joint or ask you for money. So you don't want him to deplete all of his savings before you start contributing everything. So I would I would definitely want to float my husband up front uh, and put and uh, contribute 100% and let him leave his savings over there and you leave your savings over there. Now the alternative is hey, say, hey, Listen, maybe we need to join accounts, okay? For a lot of couple, a joint account or two joint savings and two joint check-ins, it just doesn't work that well, right? For a lot of people. You have to know what works best for your household. And if it's been working best for your household and you're able to juggle all the bills, you're able to keep your savings in your savings and he's able to keep his his in his savings and things have been fine, don't let some other woman come in not knowing your relationship tell you about you and your relationship. What works for you is may not work for everybody else. And so you can't let somebody else dictate what you do in your household. So I tell people all the time, like if you and your husband are swingers and that's what y'all want to do, that's, that's what y'all do, okay? It's not work for me, but if that was that would work for you, then don't let me come in and be like, oh my God, I can't believe you let your husband do X, Y, and Z in your bedroom. That's not my business. If you're not being abused, if you're okay with it and you think that your husband would reciprocate the same thing if you lost your job, then don't let some other woman who, I don't know if she's married or not, I don't know if she has a man or not, I don't know if she's happy or not, and you, you don't know. 
Don't let her come and tell you that something's not right that you've already deemed is right. That's all I got to say about that, Johnny. I agree. I think that we have a bunch of nosy friends that don't have any business meddling in their friends' financial situation with their husbands. Because, Nicole, like you said, we don't know what this lady's situation is. We don't know that she's married. It sounds like she is talking about a girl's trip. It sounds like she might be pretty single. But either way, you've been married for 12 years. Something is going right that you've been married for 12 years and and you've been married for 12 years and you're willing and and able and happy to sounds like pick up the slack where unfortunately your husband left off because he lost his job. So it's not like your husband's out here being a derelict. He lost his job. It's a, it's something that happens to people, right? Like it's a pandemic. A lot of people have lost their jobs. And until he can find a new one, you seem happy to be picking up the bills. You said that y'all haven't gone hungry. You said you haven't been late, late on any bills. Not even that you haven't missed any bills. You haven't been late on any bills. Girl, if you don't just be happy with your marriage, the way your marriage is, and let your friends and their two cents stay out of your marriage and your marital finances, you'll be fine. Just take what your friend said with a grain of salt and keep it moving. Let her believe whatever she'd like to believe about your marital finances, and you keep doing what works for you and your husband. I mean, that's the whole point of marriage. If you if your spouse can't hold you down or hold the household down, th- then what is the point? And like, I understand that like, oh, well, the man, because men have so much pressure on them. The man has to be the man and he has to take care of the household. You're supposed to stay home. But guess what? If you are a stay-at-home wife and your husband loses the job, you're either going to be outside on the street or you're going to have to step up and find a job, okay? Because sometimes, depending on the field, sometimes you can find a job temporarily faster than somebody else that has been working and has all this experience. I mean, that's just how it is. So sometimes as a woman, we have to be the helpmate and keep things afloat for the moment, okay? And so if as a woman, you can't step up and make sure your household is taken care of when your husband is struggling, that's a problem. That's a big problem. You should never be so dependent on somebody and your head should never be so big that you can't humble yourself and go do what you have to do for your family to make ends meet. Like you should never be able, you should never do that. Like that's crazy. Like if I were a man and I was married to somebody and lost a job and she was like, oh no, you got to find something to do because I'm just going to sit here and look pretty and you're going to pay all the bills even though I have a job. I'd be like, you got to go. <laughs> you you got to go. Like what? What? That makes no sense. Keep your friends out your business. Keep them out. Just keep them out. Mm -mm -mm. All right, Janine. So let's talk about what we learned new for the new year. What did you learn new this week? Okay, so I learned, according to the National Center for Biotechnology Information, that 36.7% of people get divorced because of financial issues. People get divorced for financial issues and then they realize it's, it's cheaper to keep her. Let me tell you, divorces, the, getting divorced by itself is it's expensive. expensive. <laughs> <laughs> it's Not that we ever looked into it or anything. Just but saying, it's expensive. but it is expensive. What did you learn new this week, Nicole? Okay, so what I learned is 30% of married women make more than their husbands as of February of 2021. But that is tremendously up from 20 years ago when um, that number was only 19%. So women, we're coming up. The income is coming up. 
Wow. So we can't make more money and expect these men to be paying for everything. But, you know, real talk, it, let's say women actually were paid as much as men were on the dollar. Because we still ain't caught up there. Okay. Amen. Then, they, then let's, let's have that conversation. Okay. Because then we would literally be making a lot more. That that percentage would be a lot higher than it is now. But we're talking about we're still making what is it seventy eight seventy cents some cent to on a dollar. Yeah. Um. So and I think for, for black women it's it's lower than that. So it's like sixty something. Yeah, I think it's sixty eight sixty eight cents on the dollar. That's sixty eight cents mm-hmm. on a dollar to to a, a Caucasian man. Okay. So if we could make everything equal, everybody was paid the same for equal work, equal education, then yeah, we would mm-hmm. we would be way surpassed. We would definitely be sugar mamas at that point. And look, I would be happy to be one. All right. So ready for the motivational moment? Yes, ma'am. So this is an anonymous motivational quote, and it says, husbands too deserve to be spoiled. Tell them that they are handsome. Acknowledge their efforts and make them feel secure. If he's doing his best to treat you like a queen, do your best to treat him as a king. His needs to feel loved and appreciated are real. Until we meet again, pray, work, slay, and show off your melanated excellence. Bye! Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson-Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh, That's Deep, BWC. Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is a mean old lion media production. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.